You're listening to Monday Science Podcast, the show that brings you the latest in science, technology and health with your host, me, Dr. Bahija Rami Abraham. happy Monday or happy day. Welcome back to Monday Science. I just wanted to give you a quick update. Very excited. Um, You may have already seen on social media and on our website, but Monday Science has been awarded a grant uh, by the Royal Society of Chemistry. Thank you so much, Royal Society of Chemistry. Very grateful. Uh, The aim of the project is to open up conversations about diversity in chemical sciences and uh, to engage with the public, Um, everyone really um, on sort of the importance of the chemical sciences and how it impacts our everyday life and it's going to include a mixture of episodes and live demonstrations using 3D printing, Uh, more information to follow but very very excited about this. So I just wanted to give you that update. Um, So on to today's episode. Today's episode is very, is, uh, well, I always say it's, it's going to be interesting, but it will be interesting. Um, so last week, um, as you would know, as part of the World Antimicrobial Awareness Week, I had a discussion with Dr. Tina Joshi, and we were talking about antimicrobial resistance and her work in the area of microbial diagnostics and infection control. During the interview, we had a very, very interesting conversation about funding challenges in academia, the impact it has on research outputs, um, impact it has on even just like the progression, your your progression as a lecturer and independent researcher in your um, research output, um, the impact on sort of your mental health um, about this. And in particular, we talked about the challenge as how like the funding challenge relates to your ability or inability in some cases to transition from being a postdoctoral researcher to a lecturer where you're starting your own group. It's a very important uh, topic and it's actually one that's not talked about often (laughs) in a very public uh, space. Um, And, you know, a lot of academics such as myself and and with Tina as well don't tend to talk about this, the impact it has. And um, it's just a very um, important discussion. And I decided I wanted to make a separate episode dedicated to this. Um, It's only a snippet. It's a short episode. um, But I would really be interested to get your thoughts to know what you think about this. Um, If any listeners have had any similar experiences, and this is in general, so this could be if if anybody else is also in academia and an academic environment, um, or if they were and they've left and, you know, what impact that had in terms of trying to secure funding, what that meant. And then also maybe anybody who's not in academia, but actually does, um, you know, fund it, tries to seek, obtain funding as part of their work. Um, so yeah, I'll be really grateful to know your thoughts um, and your views and experiences when it comes particularly to securing grant funding um, and reviewers' comments. You'll hear a little bit about <laughs> why reviewers' comments is a bit of a thing. Um, so if you have anything you want to comment about on this, um, and also if you think that this is a topic we should probably delve into further and you know yeah this is something you'd be interested to hear a bit more about please do um, let me know get in touch so you can do this on instagram at monday science on twitter at monday science underscore you can submit your questions um, that would be monday science 2020 at gmail.com if you are using social media you can just use the hashtag uh, monday science podcast and we'll pick it up from there um, and you can also submit your questions um, either written or as a voice note through our, via our website, which is mondayscience.wixsite.com forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, it's a very <laughs> raw and honest um, um, 
yeah very raw and honest episode uh yeah let us know your thoughts hopefully you do get the investment and this is we've i've talked quite a few times with in other um interviews or discussions with other um, guests on the podcast about the challenges of funding and investment and you know one of the things i keep i guess because of the the theme of what we're talking about today but one of the things i keep talking about is um funding for pandemic research prior to the pandemic there were people who were researching into pandemics right it's just it was a it seemed probably unrealistic to everybody and something that would never happen prior to all of this happening yes they started there were some investment there was you know pockets of money for amr research but not quite enough there were other topics that were viewed to be more important even if those such as people such as yourself experts in the field were highlighting that this is an issue that is going to get worse if we don't get that proper investment and as you would well know you know and to um, our listeners as well it's such a challenge to get funding for your research and i don't think people appreciate maybe i'm going into this because i had a recent grant rejection <laughs> so i'm in my feelings <laughs> but you know, but with grants what people don't understand is every time you write a grant it's essentially a business plan and you're essentially saying this is what i will do if you invest in my research the the sad thing is that sometimes your grant doesn't get funded not because the idea isn't good but it could be that they only a had a pot of money a certain pot of money your grant was ranked number six out of you know 50 but they could only fund the top three you know okay yes there could be other issues maybe okay maybe i should accept maybe the grant wasn't good but it's more the thing of in funding you know and investment in fantastic ideas such as yours that would save lives clearly but it's just how do we get that and and it's such i mean i think we'd probably have to do a separate episode about funding yeah. challenges I you know so. i don't know what your what your thoughts are <laughs> oh I, honestly um i've had so many rejected and i you know an early career researcher so that in academia you've I've basically gone off and started my own lab and tried to build things up from scratch and you know i'm in my third year now as a lecturer and i've had no research funding from anyone and after applying for so many grants for this work and some of the other work that I'm doing and it's it's a crying shame and actually you know I understand that there are great people in academia I'm not detracting from that and congratulations for getting grants but actually what it does is unfortunately makes you question your own self-worth and whether you're good enough to be in academia and that's what it's done to me you know while my idea is good enough I mean what what am I doing wrong? How can I improve things? And sometimes with these grants that you do write, you don't get constructive feedback. So people don't tell you exactly what's wrong with it. And then it's really difficult not to think of it as something personal and keep yourself away from it because you're so close to, to what you do in academia. And you really want to believe that you can make a change and make a difference. And you just want someone to, to give you a break. And I haven't had that break. Um, so I get my research funding from industry um, small grants here and there and it's just kind of pushing things on slowly and um, it's you know I, I wonder what we can do about it because it, it films a very vicious circle for most academics who are building up their labs in that if they don't have research funding they can't really do much research and publish which also means if they don't publish they still can't get the grants and then it goes back in that full circle again because you still can't do your research and publish and you get stuck in that rut. Tina, thank you so much for that honesty, because so I'm similar to you. I'm uh, so I'll be four years as a lecturer next year and everything you're saying, I was like, tick, agree, agree, agree. Really? Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's really challenging. And this is where a lot of people leave academia, not because they don't want to stay, but I think you also have to be you have to reflect on are you ticking those key performance indicators that you're 
institute or your yeah. career whatever requires even if and the up and you mentioned as well getting funding from industry i'm similar as well i've received funding from industry but the problem is is that it's not always viewed as it, which is i think is so weird surely money is money to get your work but it's this and and so, so the listeners there's a big thing about getting funding from research council the uk yeah. research research council ukri or research institute whatever they they call themselves but this is part of the problem that just because you don't get the funding from the research council but meanwhile you've got a company to invest in your idea i personally think that's more impactful because if industry are looking at the work that you're doing and they think it's valuable to me that has more potential <laughs> but maybe yeah. you know i just think it has more potential than okay you didn't get a grant that means another set of people didn't agree with it but actually an industrial company or a partner that is closer to commercialization, invest in your work. But it's so weird, that narrative of, of value, right? It's really old school, I think. So, yeah, I, agree. Um, I mean, I'm part of um, the university I work at, you know, I'm part of um, the, the ECR committee, so a committee of, of early career researchers. And I've gone to some of the senior staff that are in charge of these, these things and said, actually, we need to recognize for doing this stuff. And I think people are actually listening, which is really wonderful. But it's not, you know, it's through a real, you know, grit and standing there and saying, actually, you know what, you really need to listen to us. So it's old school. And I think that type of thinking may just go in time as younger academics come through. I don't want to offend older academics by saying that, but I don't know if that's the case and it's across the board. But this is what I feel. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm completely in line with you because I see when a company likes what I'm doing and says I see potential in what you're doing I see where this could go I really want to engage and discuss further I feel like oh my gosh I'm closer to getting something onto the market I'm closer to helping people yeah. um and the when in terms of the research council funding that is our main in theory that is our main source of where can give us that other bit of bulk funding but actually it's also what is recognized by our employers as yeah. you've done well. And it's such a, it's just, it's, I'm so glad you, you know, we've had this conversation because sometimes, and again, you know, when you're starting up your own lab, there's so many challenges that come with that in so many levels, um, you know, whether it's also just the challenge and the, the kind of physical challenge of getting your equipment with no money, but still trying to get it done. Um, as well as also that personal growth and development from being a postdoc, so postdoc, postdoctoral researcher. It's, exactly. Yes. So yeah. from being a postdoc, so for, for the listeners, so um, when you do your PhD, so that's three to four years, and if you want to continue on in academia, or if you don't as well, some people tend to do what we call a postdoctoral researcher position straight after the PhD. And this is an opportunity to focus more on a research idea or topic, but usually not yours. It's usually the idea of the person whose group you're working with. I mean, it is yours, but it's it's more like their topic. And then you can grow within that and develop your own independent line of research as well as, as achieving the as well as achieving the um, objectives of the project. Um, and then after that, uh, should you want to stay in an academia, then you'd go and, you know, apply for a lectureship and so forth um, or a fellowship. And then, sorry, I'm just saying this with the listeners. And, and so then with the fellowship or the lectureship, mainly you would then build your research uh, group and build your platform to say that this is what I do. This is what I stand for. And that journey is very, it's filled with so many different ups and downs. And in particular, and I was actually having this conversation within, um, I so I sit on the 
DDI, like the Diversity and Development Inclusion Committee. And one of the things I was talking about, and this was actually from my own personal reflection, that I, I wish that everybody who started a new lectureship, I, I'm very pro-coaching actually, and I feel that, yeah, and I feel that any anybody who starts a new lectureship should automatically get a coach. Now, yeah. of course, they're very expensive, but I benefited from having a coaching session in May of this year through work. Yeah, and it's blown my mind. And I think it was an amazing experience. Um, and it was just good to get that different. It, it, coaching is a very different experience and it's focused on you and identifying maybe also what's holding you back from achieving what you want to achieve. Um, that's, that's from sort of my interpretation of the experience. But actually, on top of the challenges of getting money, getting your grants, these expectations, there's also that transition from, you know, a new lecturer of being a postdoc to a lecturer being quote unquote, and when I say this, I, I'm saying this in a semi-candid way, but almost quote unquote being a follower to a leader, you know, because as a leader, you're expected to do so many things and have a different outlook um, compared to postdoc. And it's just, it's, it's, it's hard. And then on top of that, you already have imposter syndrome. Yes. <laughs> imposter, every, every academic knows imposter syndrome. <laughs> I get it all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's that, it's that amazing feeling of just inadequacy. And then which doesn't help when you don't get grants that you think you should get. <laughs> well, this is it, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, I think it's great. And I agree with everything you said. And you know what's really interesting? When I was a postdoc, I thought all my problems and grants and things would be over. And suddenly when I became a lecturer and became that leader, leading my own group, I realised my problems became more you know, exponentially increased. <laughs> I just couldn't yes. believe that. You, know, you think you've got a permanent lectureship and that's it. It's all done. You're fine. Yeah. You're sorted. You're not. It's just not the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's just the it beginning. Really, it really is just the beginning. And as you, as you said earlier, you know, when when you've made it. So, again, grant writing is not an easy thing to do. It's all consuming. And as I said, if you think of it as in fact, it was one of my mentors during my postdoc that talked about grant writing as writing a business plan. Yeah. If you think about it, you are you're you're saying this is your idea. These are your objectives. These are your milestones. This is how much I need you to give me so I can achieve those milestones over this project for the next three, four years or whatever, or one year, whatever you can get. Um, it takes a lot of time. It can take up to like three years, three, three years, maybe sometimes, but it can take up to like three months, six months to write a grant only to click the submit button. And then as you, as you rightfully said, Tina, that you then get, okay, unfortunately you get a rejection with a one line, two line <laughs> feedback. And you're like, hmm, I submitted 16 pages to you <laughs> and you have two lines. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> It's like, like what? Yeah, like, oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Thanks. That's that's great. <laughs> you have to laugh about it, really, because at the time laugh I remember crying. 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 Yeah. And I, was, I, was actually, I actually cried. Yeah. No, I was even going to say, what are your coping mechanisms? Let's let's talk more about rejection because I think we also need to. I don't want to say normalize rejection, but I always talk about. You know, I don't know if you've seen the iceberg, the success iceberg yeah, success thing. I have. I always refer to it because, in particular, where it shows all the different stages underneath that you don't see. And, you know, I, I think one day I posted on Instagram that I was going through the perseverance part <laughs> on the journey. And I was like, hopefully success pending. But uh, what are your coping mechanisms for grant rejections? <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I, you know, I've been reading this book actually by, by Anthony Middleton. I read all of his books and it's just having this fire to keep going. And at the moment, you know, at the time I, I'm upset. Oh God, you know, okay. And then I, 
get over it, try to get over it as quickly as I can. And I think, no, 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 I'm going to keep going. I'm having this resilience and I'm going to just keep on batting away, throwing these grants in and seeing what happens. And um, that to me has been the way that I've coped with it, even though it has sometimes been a bit personal and you have to, you do take it, like I said, you do take it a bit personally, but I, I put that to the side and I sit there and I think, well, you know what? Actually, Tina, you know, you're doing okay. You're not as rubbish as, as, as you know, you think you are. In, in circumstances that you've got, you're choking away at doing what, you, what you're doing. You're trying to make a difference. And that should be enough. I know it's not really in the scheme of things to, you know, in academia. But for me personally, I'm trying to say to myself that I'm enough. Yeah. And that's oh, powerful, Tina, because that is it. We, we have to we have to validate ourselves and say we are enough, you know, because if not, woo, the consequences of, of that. <laughs> um, but, but it's interesting. Uh just a having this moment to share uh, thoughts with somebody else because it can be quite lonely on this journey because you don't know if you're the only one who's having that that experience you know and and actually when you talk about um how it can sometimes feel personal i actually think that we need to not shrug off that feeling sometimes it can feel personal but personal because the critique the things they say the candidate is clearly not ready, and it's just the wording the candidate is clearly not ready for this and it's like am I clearly not I thought I was <laughs> oh gosh yeah right. I had the, I had something it was awful it was this is a very unusual candidate yes what does that mean, that mean? How do you, yeah. you don't know me you don't know me <laughs> It's, it's, and it's, it's like what does that mean you like what what do you mean I'm unusual am I unusual in life like what does, right it's just it's just off it's, it's so, so off sometimes it's so weird and, and and even as you know so yeah that's a very interesting one. the candidate is an unusual candidate is yeah. when they say bold statements like the candidate clearly is unaware and I'm like am I clear would I have submitted this if I thought it was rubbish <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 soul destroying sometimes, and I don't yeah, think the definitely. reviewers actually realise um, yeah. how how difficult it can be for certain people to accept those types of comments. And you do yeah. have to shrug it off and have that resilience, have a really thick skin in academia in every way, shape, or form, which we do. But it does get to people because people are people at the end of the day. You know, you have feelings. Def- <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. It's it's um, it's oh, it's shocking. Yeah. Um, well, that was a great. <laughs> I might end up making this. better now. <laughs> you see? Perfect. Perfect. Thanks for joining us this week on the Monday Science Podcast. Make sure to visit our website. Uh, details are in the episode description where you can subscribe to make sure that you never miss the show. Uh, so catch up with you next week. Bye.